Hey, welcome to How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, a show where we interview performers about their worst experiences on stage. I'm Luke Fagenbush, and I'm here with my co-host, Lauren Hutton. He is definitely recording this with me, and he definitely did not entirely flake out of recording the intro. Lauren Hutton. Yep, that's your name, Lauren. Uh, anyway, I see you're I see you're with a guest. Who's who's this young lady? Uh, budding teenager. Oh, Lauren, I didn't know you were a dad. <laughs> nope. Awesome. Well, I didn't want to waste much time because we have a super interesting guest with us today. He was a drug addict, um, a pastor, but don't hold that against him. <laughs> And, of course, a stand-up comedian. So I want to get to him really quick. But first, I want to try some stand-up of our own. Now, as you know, we haven't been able to get out to, like, shows and open mics. So, uh, Lauren, I thought I'd, I'd run some bits by you. Hell yeah, that's what the people come here for. Uh, thanks, buddy. So uh, I, got this, I got this one bit. I'll just, I'll just deliver it like I'm, like I'm here on stage. Um... You ever notice how uh, how noodles are just like skinny, wet bread? <laughs> just like, right, just like yeah. long, stretched out. It's like it's like you're you sit down to a big plate of noodles, and it's like Olive Garden endless breadsticks. Yes. You know, I love till it. You, uh, to till you get to the end of the of the plate. It's not so much like that. It's like somebody was was eating a breadstick. Super like, this funny is, guy. This is too too big around. Oh, and, and what? Too, too dry. Oh my god, that's so smart. Well, thanks, buddy. Uh, anyway, here's our guest, Jake Rubel. Enjoy the episode. You have more tie-dye in, in your background and on your body than I think I've seen in the last six months. Well, uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, it's it's part of it. I don't I don't like matching things. Okay. So, <laughs> tie-dye just brings it all together, man. I feel you. Yeah, you've got cohesion through the chaos. I like it. Yeah. Uh, how long have you, like molded yourself to that aesthetic because like when you decorate everything in like tie-dye and tapestries it comes with a certain uh you know preconceived notion so how long have okay. you folded into that all right so that's a that's a weird uh that's a weird story to be honest with you i was raised by a biker and a hippie okay so, all right uh, my, I have the face of a biker and the body of a hippie, I guess you could say. 100%. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom's a hippie and my dad's a biker, which basically just meant that my dad doesn't pay child support. And, uh, <laughs> my mom would just say things a lot. Like I'm a free spirit. I just, I don't believe in labels. And I'm like, well, I'm allergic to peanut butter. So maybe read a label every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, so I was kind of like raised, my uncle was a huge deadhead, like he loved the Grateful Dead, and gotcha. uh, we were all farmers, like I grew up on a farm, kind of. So I would go help him in the field, and we'd be on like the tractor, and just jamming gr the Grateful Dead. So that kind of got stuck in my head as a kid, 
That's a cool then, farmer. Uh, <laughs> right? Do what? That's a, a cool, cool farmer. farmer. Yeah, he was high a lot. <laughs> so, I didn't tell you what I didn't tell you what we were farming. <laughs> How close was this farm to a commune? Did that intersect at all? Yeah. Uh, I cannot confirm nor deny the fact that we were No, uh it was, it, I mean, it was just a weird childhood. Like, uh, I didn't think it was weird at the time, but now looking back, I'm like, oh, no, that was weird. Like, we didn't right. have a working bathroom in our house until I was 11. What? Y'all use an yeah, outhouse? Wow. Like, so, no, there was a bathroom in the house, but the pipes, like, the there's no water running to it, so you had to use the bathroom. And then our kitchen had running water, but not our bathroom. She had to get a bucket of water from the kitchen and take it to the bathroom and flush the toilet that way. What? Okay. Yeah. And then so in the, the winter time, all the pipes would be frozen, so you had no water. So we just put the bucket in the kitchen, and that's where you did your business. Wow. Auxiliary winter to toilet. Yeah. Holy so, smokes. So, uh, great childhood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just just smackered with all kinds of opportunities yeah. and agency. Yeah. My, my dad... Hopefully we get into talking more about my dad. But like I always said that that my two options growing up was I was going to either be a uh, a comedian or a serial killer. <laughs> Glad you became a comedian. Yeah, you made the right choice. Uh, you made don't the right stop. choice. Well, the thing is, is that I'm not getting booked a lot these days, guys. So I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'll I'll figure it out. <laughs> but, uh, no it was weird so like i grew up in a way to where it was like a different time than all my friends like all my friends were out buying cds and i'm like my dad just let me listen to molly hatchet on vinyl it was pretty cool <laughs> so i didn't have tapes or cds or anything like that i had vinyl yeah and i grew up listening to the music that my dad and his brothers listened to and then um I'm really, really into music, as you could tell. Uh, Absolutely. Always have been. My mom's side of the family all play bluegrass. So, like, everyone around me is musicians and, um, or loves music. And, uh, it just kind of like, it just slowly, like, made it to where by the time I was a teenager, being raised by those people, of course, I was, I was a drug addict <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> really, really into music. But here's the here's the twist. Here's what gets weird is that when I was uh, 17, I met my now wife. We'd known each other for a couple of years, but we started dating when I was 17. And we could not I could not date her unless I was in church because her mom was like really, really into church. OK. And I, I was just like, you know what? I'll sacrifice an hour a week to date this chick like i'm really into her so i was like to me it's no big deal and i'm i'm a hippie so like i'm super open-minded and i'm like yeah man let's 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 try this thing was, and then they got me like they just <laughs> <laughs> they they hooked me man that's where they get you they're all they're all sweet and nice whenever you go in there and and then before you know it like i i shaved my face i cut all my hair i was like and then i became a preacher what? Wow. Holy Hard cow. Hard turn. <laughs> yes. So, so was for... church just her mom's deal or was she equally into it? 
No, she wasn't really into church that much when we started dating. Otherwise, she probably wouldn't have started dating an alcoholic. <laughs> a 17-year-old a alcoholic. Yeah, I was a full-blown alcoholic by the time that I was like uh, 15, 16. I dropped out of school, just drank all the time. Oh, my um, gosh. You know, did I slowly – like by the time that I was with her, I'd stopped – uh, doing drugs. There was like a good year of my life that's just gone to meth and phetamines. Wow. Uh, okay, I have to say, I have to say, you <laughs> said you had two life paths before you, and you know, even in your teens, you were avidly following both of them at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I was trying, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, one of them's going to rear their ugly head eventually. Gonna... <laughs> well, so, it's good it was... that you got the heavy drug use and alcoholism on early that yeah. way you can kind of rinse and repeat when your body's still pretty spry <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> you, can't see, you can't see what's going on down here but i did not take care of my body that part <laughs> that was, that was, i was not thinking about that at all now what what happened was i quit i just i i od'd one night and uh was like by myself completely and uh i just i'd done too much stuff for like yeah. a week so i was like well uh this sucks and i don't want to do this so i actually was like throwing up and um thought i was gonna die and was basically like hey god uh i know you don't know me <laughs> but <laughs> first time caller <laughs> yeah. yeah i was just like i know i know you don't really know me but uh you wanna you you want to just maybe know me because i don't want to die so uh <laughs> it was kind of a weird situation like i i had taken um there was over-the-counter pills you could take whenever i was a teenager that would we you wouldn't really be tripping but you would be like uh like you ever hear robo tripping? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was similar to that. Yeah, it you was just kind of like that. So basically, you're taking up. like the DX side of cough syrup, but in a pill form, right? Yep. Oh, dude, no, yeah, I've, I was in high school. I did that. Um, what was robo tripping? That's robitussin. It's where you drink a bunch of robitussin. Oh, okay. Stuff. Yeah. So my issue is, is that I was taking, I was eating shrooms, I was uh, eating zannies. And then I was popping these, uh, they were called uh, Coracidin, cough and cold. Yep. And I was eating those things like they were jelly beans, just eating <laughs> like crazy. So, like, for a week I was doing this. And the whole time I'm, I'm smoking weed and I'm drinking beer and, like, everything's fine. And then um, I went to sleep one night. I woke up the next day. The girl that was living with me, uh, which was just a friend of mine uh, that – my mom just let her move in with us. Uh, yeah, I still live with my mom, by the way. I'm like 15. I'm like yeah. 15. <laughs> yeah. Years old. I'm not very old. Was like, your mom into drugs, now, too? I'm like, this is ridiculous. Why did anyone – why was anyone okay with that? But, uh, <laughs> she's a good mom. She's a good mom. Uh, <laughs> did she know what was going on? Like, Yeah, she, she knew, but her thing was uh, she knew I was going to do it no matter what and she so she was just like do it here right She's like, just yeah do it here. Okay. and uh, honestly if it wasn't for my mom being like that i'd be in jail because so many of my friends at that age was going getting locked up or you know going to parties and then drinking to driving and dying on the way home like there i lost so many good friends at such a young age 
because we we just we lived in a small town. There's nothing to do. Yeah. So, Where was that, by the way? Uh, it's Spencer, Indiana. Oh okay. yeah, there's nothing to do in Indiana. <laughs> like you didn't even have to say small town. You could have just said, "I grew up in Indiana," and the whole world would have been like, yes. "Yeah, they they have drugs and corn. That's it." Yeah, I grew up in a field. That's... <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, it was like two. It was like two towns over from Bloomington, Indiana. So like, there was nothing. There yeah. was nothing to do but drugs. Yeah. And that's really what we had. So uh, I woke up in the morning. I'd, I'd been doing this for like a week straight. I wake up in the morning, and the girl that's living with me is like, hey, do you want to wake and bake? And I was like, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> so I got up, and I like ripped this huge hit off the bong. And like the moment I did that, I don't know if like my brain finally was just like too many chemical imbalances, sir. Does not compute. <laughs> Because it, everything I'd been doing, I think I had popped a bunch of pills before I went to sleep that I just don't really remember. Because uh, when that happened, she walked out of the room, and I started hallucinating like crazy and was throwing up. And then um, basically, like, I don't know if I OD'd per se, but it keeps me sober to say I OD'd that day. You know yeah, what I mean? Fair. Like, do I know? Do I know? Or close sure? enough? Yeah. yeah. I'm no, I'm no doctor. Maybe, maybe I had the flu. I don't know. But <laughs> I think I OD'd that day. So, uh, so yeah, I was just like, well, I'm done with drugs. Uh, but you know what? I'm not done with is booze. Right. <laughs> so, went heavy into into drinking, like way more than I did before. But then, whenever I got with uh. You don't have to put that right there. My wife's sneaking in now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thanks. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> whenever, uh, when we got together, uh, I knew that she wouldn't want to be with, with an alcoholic, you know, right. forever. Like, like, yeah, he's fun to date, <laughs> but like, <laughs> I'm not going to have kids with this guy. <laughs> so I gave up drinking. Honestly, mostly for her is is why. Like everybody's got that rock bottom story about getting sober, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't. <laughs> like I never. Get rock <laughs> oh my god, I, you I, don't know what your bottom is! Done. Holy cow! <laughs> yeah. Well, like, let's I not mean, find out. Why? Well, <laughs> I mean, okay, with the drugs, yeah, that was rough. Right, right. With booze, like with the alcohol, I was just like. I could handle. I was. I was keeping jobs. I was. You know. I was all right. Yeah. But then we like we got we got together, and I was like, well, she's not gonna want. She's not gonna want this. I I can't just keep drinking. So I just quit. But now, like I I've been sober for like twelve years now. And whenever I'm, you know, I go to a comedy club or uh, where you have a show at a bar or something, everyone's giving me drink tickets. People are trying to buy me drinks, and I'm like, oh no, thanks. You know, uh, I don't. I actually I don't drink. And they'd be like, oh, what happened? And it's like, I don't, nothing. Like, <laughs> I, I wish I had a rock bottom story. Like, I feel bad that I have nothing to offer them. I'm just like, oh, I just don't drink. And they're like, oh, so you think you're better than me? And I'm like, obviously, yeah. <laughs> Look at me with all my willpower, you freaking schmucks. Yeah. So I quit drinking, and then we were like, um, <clears throat> and then we were going to church and uh within like two years i was a, i started preaching at that church i became Holy a preacher smokes. so then wow, i was a fast track well that's so here's the deal here's what a lot of people don't tell you the worst part about being a drug addict is whenever you get sober you go to church 
No one ever tells you that. <laughs> Everyone I know that got sober ended up in church at least for a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, that's the worst part. No one ever tells you that you're going to end up being a church. Uh, church is great. I'm sorry. That was a, that was a caseless joke. So but, did, did you find like once you quit these habits that you had to fill it with something and that happened to be church? Yeah, absolutely. I'm still, I'm still an addict. A hundred percent. You guys, can you guys hear my, my rooster in the background? Wait, that's that a rooster? A rooster? <laughs> yeah, I still live on a farm, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I thought it was you a have... cat. <laughs> no, the that's... coolest life. Yeah. OD what aside. If... <laughs> what would you do? What would you do if a rooster just popped up on the back of my chair right now and it was just like I don't oh, know. I live I... in the house, by the way. <laughs> I, I would lose my mind. Yeah, you, you yeah. we don't have awards, but we would have to make one if that happened and then get it to you, because that's amazing. Yeah, no, he's 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 outside. He's just hanging out out there. He's cool. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm still an addict, like 100%. And, and that's what's funny is that I became addicted to church. Like, I left I left all this other stuff behind. Um, you know, whenever I, I stopped doing drugs, I started drinking, and that became my addiction was the booze. Right. And I drank, you know, for a couple of years. Uh, that's all I did was drink every single day. That's all I cared about. And then whenever I stopped doing that, um, I always loved video games and stuff. So, like, I feel like... As soon as I stopped drinking, video games kind of became my addiction. Okay. And I just would get lost in video games. But then whenever I started really getting into church, that became like, oh, this is my identity. This is who I am now. I'm I'm a Jesus freak, and that's that's uh, okay. And it was a Pentecostal church. Oh boy. So it's not like it's not your everyday run of the mill. <laughs> you know, let's just let's go in. It's like let's we're gonna do some backflips and play some good music, yeah. and, and we're gonna we're gonna do a fair amount of speaking in tongues for all you you people out there. So. Yep, I, I was assemblies of God, so there was a lot of tongue yep. speaking. Yep. Uh, yeah, no no snakes. I didn't run into no, any no, no, snake no. handling. No, I'm in Indiana. That stuff happens in the South. Like we're <laughs> okay, okay. That, that was that was not me. If, I always said like if you if you break out the snakes, you'll really see me run around this church. Because <laughs> I'm yeah. leaving. I'm not. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, I'm very not tolerant of other people's beliefs, but I want to go on record and say that's a bad idea. I don't think it's. <laughs> You know, my thing is, is that it is what it is. If that's if you feel like that gets you closer to God, you know, it, you're only hurting yourself, I guess. Except yeah. if yeah. you're the pastor that, if, unless you're the pastor that's saying you have to do this to get close to God, then kind of maybe shame on you and let let other people figure it out for themselves. But I would be afraid it would get me too close to God, and that a snake would bite me and I would die. Hey man, yeah. isn't that ultimately the like... goal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. to be I that don't... close to God. <laughs> I've, never, I've never done it you know so i don't i can't say whether it works or not i've never done it so i'm you know that's where i'm coming from with it yeah sure because i mean i've done a lot of weird spiritual stuff being pentecostal that a lot of people are like no that's that's not right and i'm like well it made me feel like i was closer to god at the time and it didn't hurt anybody, and it made me feel better, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, and no one um, got yeah. bit. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no one got bit. I mean, I was a Sunday school teacher for a little bit, and there was some biting, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. How did yeah, – so, like, so you – 
how long yeah. ago like how old are you now i'm trying to like put the whole timeline together <laughs> how old do i look <laughs> oh boy this is a fun game i'm gonna guess 27 or 39 anywhere in that range 35 was mine see everybody does that i did a show one time in indianapolis and this guy came up to me afterwards and he goes um you have three kids and i was like yeah and he's like well I figured you were either 18 years old or 47 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, okay. I like the mystery. I'm I'm 33. I turn 34 next month. Oh, uh, Luke, you were so off. close. So close. Yeah, you're close. Yeah, you're close. Well, I mean, technically you were a year off because like February oh, 2nd yeah. is my birthday. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're real close. You're real Man. close. I should have so, been a carnival barker. I, I started guessing <laughs> people's ages and weights at bars this one time. Just as, yeah, and uh, I got it right like twice, and then it went really badly with a couple of girls, so I stopped. But <laughs> it's a hidden skill. <laughs> well, the thing is, I know you're getting, you keep going down on the camera, but I seen that mustache in the beginning. You're hiding it now. But I seen like, the beginning. Okay. And like, that where's, mustache. Where's... Yeah, yeah, you, you. <laughs> I feel like it's the same deal with you. You you either have to do comedy or you have to work for a circus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's either carny or stand up for me. There's no yeah, in between. Either way, either way, you're not allowed at any elementary school. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I'm not gonna be in a child friendly environment, no matter what. That's just not in the cards for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. If I end up, whenever I go pick my kids up from school, elementary school, the the cop always stands closest to me <laughs> <laughs> and he's like he's like well you're probably trying to sell weed huh? <laughs> getting them pretty like, early i'm huh? trying to buy it you got it <laughs> <laughs> oh okay. man so How you're 33 that... now yeah and right. when you started preaching at what 2019 i was so I pre I was a preacher for about five, maybe six years, somewhere around in there. Okay. Uh, uh, let's see. My assistant's in here. When did I start preaching? When I was about twenty six, you think? Yeah. Twenty five? Probably twenty five. I was probably about twenty five when I started preaching. Okay. We were teaching Sunday school and stuff. I became the outreach director at our church, so I was the guy that was. Uh, kind of in charge of like new people that were coming in and, and trying to go out and, <clears throat> you know, Thanksgiving dinners and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I did that. And then, um, in 20, I think it was November of 2018. I was like, I just basically, I came to the realization that, um, I love God. I love the spiritual side of things, but me and religion could not shake hands anymore. I was like, I don't, I don't agree with everything that's going on. I'm not a hundred percent on this. So, um, yeah, I was like, I, I just, I don't think I could do it. And I've been trying for two years to, to leave the church, to leave the position that I was in. Oh, wow. But, uh, my friend was the pastor and he just, he really needed me at the time. Yeah. And, uh, I felt like every time that I tried to step out, he kind of was pulling me back in and I, you know, so I, I stayed two years longer than I should have for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but some stuff kind of went down. Some stuff happened. I ended up losing um, someone I was pretty close to that I'd brought into church that uh, ended up kind of uh, essentially, without getting into it, committed suicide. And oh. uh, 
kind of messed me up pretty bad. So I, I left, I, I basically left the position and said, you know, I can't really do this anymore. And then, uh, so that was in November of 2018. And then March, I think of the next year, uh, I did my first open mic. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that, I mean, what, what drew you to that? Like, did you still feel a need to, to be addressing a congregation, so to speak? Um, I'm a megalomaniac. I just want people to look at me. <laughs> just like, listen to everything I have to say. Give me all of your attention and, for, and, and hopefully some of your money. Uh, <laughs> now, it was, you know, the thing I, I think, honestly, I think that my calling has always been not to get like spiritual with it or anything, but I, I think that this it has always been what I'm supposed to do. You call, you call it calling or just call it like, you know, what the path laid before you, whatever you want to, want to call it. But I'm supposed to be a comedian. This is just it's this is who I am. Whenever I was a, whenever I'd preach, half my sermon was always jokes and stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was just that was my the funnest part for me was whenever I could look out over a congregation and everybody for a minute was all bonded over uh, the words that I was speaking, you know, so yeah. uh, it was just a cool feeling to be like, oh, man, I made everybody happy for a minute. Right. That was, that yeah. was fun. So that, uh, that is again, one of the main I, things that you do comedy for is you just feel everybody's on the same page and sharing the same energy when a show is going well. Yeah. Like yeah. A, a laugh brings people together like a lot of things can't. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, it really it's 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 a weird power that I really, really like to be a part of. I, I don't. I don't wield the power, but it's fun to be a part of it and, and just watch everybody like whenever a joke really hits, just watch the crowd just be like, oh, man, and just see them all just love it. And then when a joke doesn't hit, see the entire crowd just be like, we hate you. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what, they're in it together. <laughs> bring them together one way or another. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Against me. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was like. I had thought about doing comedy a lot. Everyone, you know, my whole life, everyone always told me to do it. My dad was like the funniest person I ever met. And he actually, uh, I remember one time whenever I was young, he, I went to the bathroom. It's probably like two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we had a bathroom at this point in our, uh, <laughs> it was a different, <laughs> probably like 13 or something. <laughs> so I'm going to the bathroom. He's in the kitchen and I hear him talking to himself and laughing. And I kind of like peek in the kitchen and he's got a notebook and he's writing, he's writing this story out. And I hear him like telling himself this story and he's repeating parts of it. He's writing it out. <clears throat> and then that weekend we went to a party and uh, at one point in the party, everybody's crowded around him and he's telling that story as if it really happened. And I was <laughs> like, Oh, that's why everyone loves him. Yeah. You know, because he did, he, he did that. So I just started being the funny guy. I don't really remember how old I was. I know I was pretty young. I'm horrible with like timelines. I constantly have to ask my wife, like, what year did this happen? I'm just horrible. <laughs> yeah. We've so seen it happen like, at least once. <laughs> yeah, I knew. I know it's something. She's like, no, that was a movie. That didn't even happen. To me. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I see my dad do that, and I was like, oh, well, that's. I want to be the funny guy then because everyone invites him to parties because 
at one point they're like, Hey Tim, come tell that joke. Come tell that story. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to be that guy. So I was just always at every party I went to, I made sure at one point at that party, I told a story that had everyone there kind of gathered around me and I'm telling a story and I know where the punchlines are and everything. And I know how to, how to like, when I tell a joke, I know when they're going to laugh and I know I need to be quiet for a while. Yeah. Uh, so it was like, I trained watching my dad was like training for me to like be a street comic kind of, it was weird. And then I became a preacher and it was like, now I have all this experience being on stage, knowing how to work a crowd, yeah. um, knowing how to, how to, how to pivot even. Cause like there were times when I was preaching, if I was preaching on a Sunday morning at a church that wasn't my church, you know, wasn't where I normally go. Um, and I see them not with what I'm talking about because every church was a little bit different. Right. So it's like, if, if, uh, you know, if, if they're like a little, if they're just not on board with what I'm saying, I got to know how to be like, oh, but remember Jesus? Let's talk about him. <laughs> so like pivoting and, and keeping people invested in what I'm saying, because like as a preacher, you know, that's, I was going straight at like 45 minutes talking to a crowd. Yeah. So wow. I went straight up to like, I'm a headliner at church. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah, it taught and... me a lot, and I did that so that way. Whenever I transitioned over to just doing comedy, it was, you know, it was hard for me. Whenever I was doing those open mics, and I and still, you know, I'm not saying I don't do open mics. Now I don't know why I said it like that. I'm still doing <laughs> open mics, but like five minutes for me is so hard to do. Like it is so hard for me to just talk for five minutes. Yeah, uh, because I feel like well, I wrote this out and it's 15, 20 minutes long, you know, but I got to get it a small chunk, but that's because I'm used to talking for 45 minutes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was like this weird, this weird transition to where now I've got to learn to just get my point across like that and then get out. And, um, yeah. And I'm still, I'm still learning that. Like, because I just, I've not been doing comedy very long. Um, but I went from like, I, I talked to, there's a buddy of mine who owns a club in, uh, in Greenwood. And whenever I first did their open mic, they, he came up to me like right afterwards and was like, how much time can you do? And I was like, well, how much do you need me to do? Uh, and, and he's mm-hmm. like, can you do 15? I was like, I can do 10, you know? Cause I wanted to make sure that I gave him, you know, I can talk for, I can talk for five hours if you want, but it's not going to be great. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm like, I can do a tight 10 minutes, you know? Um, I was just, I wanted to make sure. And he's like, come back when you can do 15. And the next week I came back and he's like, how much time can you do? And I was like, I can do 15. So, uh, so they put me on a show and I ended up doing like 20, 20 some minutes on the show. <laughs> um, but he, you know, he came up to me and he's like, how long have you been doing comedy? And I was like, and I told him, you know, I'm like, well, I'm like a year into it. Yeah. And he said, how he's like well how because like you know your stage presence whenever you're on stage it seems like you've been doing this for years i said well i was a preacher you know i was a preacher for like five or six years so and he goes oh so you did comedy with content and then took the content out of it (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's so smart that's a great description of comedy (laughs) and i was like yeah that's exactly that's what i did so 
but it, but it is different. Like I'm not saying I just walked into it and was just like I can do comedy now. Like it's a hundred percent different. It's a it's a lot of work, and yeah. I mean I I love doing it and it's fulfilling and it, I mean it's it's the greatest. It's the greatest uh, job. Safety unemployed. How are the crowds different? Because a church crowd, they're there because they're obligated to be there is it harder to hold attention for them versus a comedy crowd or the other way around um you know that's a good question and uh i think it just it depends because you have to look at what crowd we're talking about like whenever i was preaching in churches i would also preach in the prisons occasionally so you know, I'd go into a prison and uh, the room's full of murderers and rapists and, you know, uh, drug addicts and, and people who some of them don't even want to be there. They just don't want to be, you know, in their in their room right now. So they're trying to get out. So they're like, yeah, I'll just go to church yeah. and I can get out. Right. It's just something to do. Yeah. So those were always, you know, super unique situations, um, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then there were sometimes though you would preach, uh, in a church and it's like, they almost want you to mess up. You're a young guy coming in preaching and they want to see where you're going to screw up. They want to see like, you know, after I, I would preach something, they'd come up to me and they'd be like, Hey, you know, you said this, but it's actually this. And I'm like, well, <laughs> maybe Maybe just don't ever talk to me again. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome Uh, to church, but don't talk to me. (laughs) My thing is, is that I always say, you know, whenever I first started, I've never been scared of an audience ever. I know a lot of people get stage fright. I get nervous before I go on stage like everybody does. But it's just Mm -hmm. anytime you do any kind of public speaking, I think you get nervous. But the moment that I'm on the stage, I'm fine. Like I, you know, it doesn't bother me at all. And I've, uh, I just always say that, you know, I, as a preacher, I've been in rooms with, you know, 350, 400 people and their only rule is they have to love me. (laughs) So it's like, if I can get in front of all of them and bomb for Jesus, Like, I'll bomb for anyone at this point. Like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, so, because it's always the worst when it's like, you were supposed to, you were supposed to be the ones to love me. Yeah. And you guys hate it. You know, you don't want me to come back. <laughs> so... How does it uh, so feel yeah, to do a real fun. bad job of preaching? Like, are there memorable times you just ate it on stage <laughs> at, in a sermon? <laughs> It's easy to, it's easy, it's really, really easy when you're a preacher, if you're, if you're quote unquote bombing, <laughs> you know, yeah. where you just, you just see that the congregation's just not really with it. It's really easy to just be like, with a Pentecostal church, especially if you, if you just start preaching the book of Acts, they'll get with you. What? <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, it's just like, oh, speaking of which, you know, but at the same time, like, I felt like, uh, you know, the, the spirit of God was always in the room and like. It, there's there wasn't any time that I feel like as a preacher like it was I walked off the stage the platform or stage or whatever and people were just like Mm-mm, not in <laughs> but there was there was a time I do remember one time where uh, I was preaching and I meant to say when David uh, killed the giant is what I meant to say I'm talking about David and Goliath but yeah. I've been playing Skyrim a lot at the time. <laughs> and, uh, 
So I was like, when David killed the dragon, <laughs> and it was like, and then I kept going, and then I and I seen everyone in the congregation was like, that's what story is that? <laughs> so it got like super quiet, and I was like, I see a lot of you are upset that I just said David killed the dragon, right? So then they all just start laughing. Like, oh, I, I said. Well, Satan's the great dragon. Who do you think was controlling that giant, folks? <laughs> yes, own it. <laughs> now, then I was honest with him, and I was like, I'm going to be real. I've been playing a lot of Skyrim lately, and uh, dragons on the mind, people. Dragons are on the mind. So, uh, so that was the time that I felt like, I mean, I, 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 I seen all their eyes. They were just like, nope, that's not real. So we do not <laughs> So I was like, okay. But, uh, yeah, that was like the only time that I can really think of. There was definitely other times where I know that there was one time in a, in the prison that I was, uh, I was preaching and I was just talking about, uh, being baptized and, and all this stuff. And, and, uh, when I got finished, I, I walked off the stage and, um, this older guy came up to a real big guy. Now we're in the prison the chaplain uh, of of the church is in his office, so it's just me and all these prisoners. That's it. There's no guards in there. There's, what? There's, there's no one. It's just me in the prison. <laughs> um, I walk off. <laughs> I walk off the stage, and this guy corners me. Like he literally puts his hand up on the wall, so I can't get past him. Whoa! And he starts grilling me, and he's like, "You said this. You said this, but." But what about this and what about these people? Because that's the issue with religion is and that's why ultimately I really walked away from it is because religion and whenever I feel like whenever you really boil it down, it's saying I'm right and you're wrong. My mm-hmm. interpretation is is smarter than your interpretation. And I am just not arrogant enough to say I understand it all. So that's why I walked away. Oh, if okay. somebody does understand it, that's cool, that's fine. I just I didn't understand all of it to a religious side. Spiritually, you know, I feel like, yeah, uh, I, I pray, I still love God and everything, but just I can't do that. So this guy, though, he was saying, like, well, you believe this, you're preaching a, preaching this to us, but in fact, you know, this is what you need to do, and this is the way that you, you obtain salvation. And he's like, what about this scripture? So, I mean, I stuck to my guns, and I told him I was, of course, not i was terrified like this guy. Like, i'm like i don't know what he's in here for like he he's gonna shank me any second um yeah i wouldn't have guessed you would go to prison and the problem would be that one of the prisoners were too churchy right? yeah that's, yeah that's what was going on so then i just told him i said listen i said i'm just gonna be honest with you. i said i respect you i said i respect you and i respect your thought process i said my interpretation is this. And then I just, I threw out a couple of scriptures to him that I, that, you know, were just kind of my go-to scriptures. And I was like, this, this is what it is. I said, regardless, we could still walk away from this and be brothers and, 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 you know, and love each other. I said, so that's where we're at. So he's, then all of a sudden he smiled and he was like, well, just so you know, I'm also Pentecostal and I believe everything you believe. I just wanted to make sure that you really believed it. Oh, what? Wow. <laughs> so he was just like, he was just intimidating me, trying to get me to waver. And I was like, wow. no, nah, man, this is what I believe. And he was like, good for you. And I was like, and dude, I was so scared. Like, I, said, <laughs> I, gave, him this, I gave him like a huge hug. And I was just like, man, I thought you were going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, man.
Wow, what a story. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like that's that's such a like that's the kind of thing that like someone would write into a movie and then people would recreate in a skit at a bonfire at a Boy Scout camp or something. Like that's so good. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. yeah, well I'm not really I'm not there yet. I mean I still hope that there's a bunch more stories that are gonna happen. Maybe whenever I'm like sixty I'll be like, Yeah, I'm gonna write this stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with your life, I believe it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's weird. It it always it it definitely takes different uh, different avenues. I mean, I'm in an alley right now. I'm not even on a street. I don't even know what path this is. I'm in some alley, just like just just sneaking my way into into some place. So I'm all right with it. Yeah, hey, kind of a hippie biker recovering addict preacher comic. The just a uh, middle of the road. <laughs> I'm, man, I'm, you know the thing is, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm hit everywhere. You know, I'm, like, I'm, I'm with everybody. Oh, so Jake, every time that we bring someone on this show, you know, we tell them what it's about. It's about your ultimate failures on stage, and there's, I, I'm sure there's that one quintessential story that popped into your head. Uh, what, what is it? What's your, what's your signifying bombing story? Oh man, uh, <laughs> which one? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, the thing is, is that I feel like because I had such a good stage presence from the get go, I got put on shows really quickly. Yeah. um, When I probably shouldn't have, because, you know, having confidence on stage is really, really important. And I I feel like if you have confidence while you're on stage, even if you're just a little bit funny, you're still going to do okay at least. Yeah. Um, But my issue was, is that I was trying to not only was I trying to like find my comedy voice, but I was trying to find my own voice because for so long I was told I have to be a specific way. Right. You know, because of religion. So now that I'm not religious anymore and I can kind of find out who I am, I, I, you know, I'd lost, I went straight from being a kid to a drug addict, to an alcoholic, to a preacher, <laughs> to a comedian. So it's like, you know, I was like going through this crisis of like, well, who am I? So on stage, man, I was I was throwing everything out. I was I was talking about all kinds of stuff, and so much of it I just should not have talked about. Like, I, would, <laughs> I would walk off and I'd feel like, man, it's a pretty good show, and then I'd like watch the video and be like, oh, I'm god awful. What am I doing? <laughs> What's uh, some stuff that you shouldn't have talked about? Because. I don't, well, like, <laughs> I told, so, I, my dad, my dad's a weird cat. Like, he's a weird dude. And okay. there's stuff that's happened in my childhood that I'm like, well, this will be funny to talk about. <laughs> and then I'll do it on stage. <laughs> and <it's> like, <laughs> when I do it on stage, people just look at me like, ooh, what? <laughs> like, <that's- laughs> and I'm like, oh. Like I have, uh, like the, that's uh, not normal. Okay. So I'll tell you. So if you, I'll tell you one the one story that I know it bombed on stage. Uh, I've tried it twice and it's never worked. But I I want it to work so bad because it's so weird. Um, and then I'll tell you. And then I'll tell you the 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 show that sticks out to me that I that the whole show I just I ate it the entire time. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. So the the. The thing that I want to work really bad on stage and it just hasn't 
is when I was <laughs> when I was a teenager, uh, I was staying with my dad because my parents divorced whenever I was pretty young, and uh, I think I was I was like eleven, twelve, ten. I don't know. <laughs> Again, I'm not good with numbers. I was a child. Parents divorced. Uh, I stayed with my mom most of the time, but whenever uh, I was a teenager, my dad was a biker so he had access to fun things so i'm gonna live <laughs> with him for a little bit so i'm living with my dad we go to a party one night and um <laughs> i'm 14 okay 15, maybe we go to a party I, I don't even think i'm that old but i'm uh, i'm i'm around there i'm somewhere between like 13 and, and 15 you know okay I'm right yeah. around the, the... budding teenager so, yeah so we go to this party and um my dad's like, "Hey, uh, I'm I'm gonna need you to drive home tonight. Just the heads up." And I was like, "Oh, cool. Okay, yeah, I want to drive. Let's do this." So <laughs> that's why he took me was to be a driver. So I go and I sit down. Like we're at this party. It's outside. I go sit down. Uh, put my back against a tree and just kind of sit down because I don't really know any of these people. Yeah. So I'm kind of like over to the side of the, of the yard, sitting against this tree, and this old guy comes up to me big white beard long white hair comes over to me and he sits down next to me he's like hey can i sit here and i was like yeah man help yourself and he's just an old hippie so i'm like oh these are my these are my people right right so he sits down and he breaks out this pipe this little little metal pipe and he starts smoking it and he's like you want a hit of this and i was just like yeah you know <clears throat> I, yeah i'll get i'm gonna smoke some weed let's do this so i grab it and i take a hit and it, it, it tasted weird whenever i did uh, which is like mm, old white guy, white hair, pipe, tasting weird. Maybe don't do this as a child. <laughs> so I give the I give the pipe back to him, and I was like, he's like, uh, how is it? And I was like, I kind of got a weird flavor to it. And he goes, Oh, that's the opium. Oh, and I don't wow. know what that means. Still to this day, I'm like, did he like? Did he have oxycotton that he like crushed up and put in there? Because I don't think opium is just something you can get. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it was just laced with heroin. I don't know what to do. So anyway, said that's I the opium, just... like opium plus whatever. Right. So I was just because he's he supposedly it was weed sprinkled with something, but he was just like, oh, that's opium. But old bikers call stuff weird things all the time, so I don't know what he's talking about. Like, yeah, it just Ajax. Maybe just put Ajax. <laughs> so he's like, "You do you want another hit?" And I was like, "Nope." <laughs> like, uh, hmm, I don't think so. Learned my lesson. Uh, what's really funny though is later found out that that was one of my best friends at the time's dad. And I had never met him before. No kidding. And then I went to like years later, I went to a New Year's party with my my one of my really good buddies, and it was at his dad's house. And his dad came out, and I was like, "Oh, you, I know you. <laughs> so, opium like, you Santa Claus." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "You got that pipe, old man? Yeah, I'm, like, yeah. I'm a man now." Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, so then we leave the party later. Um, you know, we go home. Turns out my dad needed me to drive because he dropped acid. Ah. And uh, he knew he was going to go drop acid, so he was going to be he was going to be out there. So mm -hmm. we we go home. He comes up to me, and I smoked you know a little bit that that night, and everything, and kind of like made my rounds. And 
he comes up he comes up to me he's like are you drunk he's like we gotta take off are you drunk and i was like i'm not drunk <laughs> he's, like, he's like well can you drive and i was like matter of opinion Pop, let's go. <laughs> so, so we go home and uh he passes out on the couch we only had we live in a one-bedroom house and neither one of us slept in the bedroom because it was creepy in there uh, <laughs> yeah it was just so he slept on the couch and then I usually either slept in the recliner or I just make a pallet on the floor and uh, sleep on the floor. We had a wood stove. So it's like, that was the warmest room in the house and everything. Yeah, yeah. So I'm asleep on the floor, like right by the couch. He passed on the couch. I'm on the floor. And, uh, <laughs> I wake up, uh, to water splashing on me. So I like wake up and I'm like, Whoa, what's going on? And it was my dad sitting on the edge of the couch just peeing on me <laughs> and i was like i was like hey man <laughs> and uh my dad's response uh my dad's response his exact words were oh my dick's out <laughs> and then and then he got up and he went outside and he and he finished peeing and then I took a shower. Uh, <laughs> as one, Another as, shower, as, as you guys always did after your dad peed on you. Right, right? you know morning rituals <laughs> yeah, okay. and all that. So yeah, so I took a shower and then I called my cousin. Now this is probably like five o'clock in the morning or something. I called my cousin. And was like, hey, will you come pick me up? <laughs> and, uh, she was like she's like what and i was like yeah i really need to get out of here she's like okay so she came and picked me up and then whenever i got in the car she's like what's going on i was like it's i'm not ready i'm not ready to talk about it yet <laughs> so, <laughs> so like and then and then i just me and my dad never discussed it like oh never God. never talked about it still to this day i've never i've never <laughs> told him if he doesn't remember he was high he was on acid he doesn't know what he did he thought he was in the bathroom <laughs> so, uh, I tried to tell that story on stage twice, and uh, every time I tell it, people are just like freaked out by it. Like it is a weird story, and I, so I'm like, dude, I have to figure out how to do it in a way. Because like I, I started off one time, I was like, I'm gonna tell you guys about the first time I smoked opium, <laughs> <laughs> and then it ends. It, it ends in my dad accidentally giving me a golden shower. Like, I don't think, you know, maybe that's not, maybe, maybe it's not a story for the stage. I don't know. But, I, uh, I like it so much, but there are like three different points where people are, couldn't be like, I'm out. That's too much. It's like yeah. you, a 14 year old is offered opium by an old man. And then he has to drive. <laughs> the other, the other weird thing is that, I, I'm a, I'm a clean comic, like not on purpose. It just, that's just what happened. I, not physic, not like, I don't look clean. But I, <laughs> it's just like, that's just the way it happened. I just, whenever I got on stage, I, I'm just used to being a preacher whenever I'm in front of people. Right. And, and it, I'm, I'm very happy about that. I like doing it because, you know, I, I can work anywhere. It's yeah. not. You know, I've gotten, mm -hmm. I've gotten a lot of gigs because I'm a clean comedian, especially because they see me on the flyer at a clean show, and they're like, mm, I beg to differ. We're going <laughs> to try, try this. So I, it's hard for me to tell that story on stage at a clean show yeah. and make it clean. I mean, it's like 
the, and the main reason is because to me, the funniest part of that story is what my dad said. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to me, that's the funny part. Is like that was his response to it, uh, and I can't say that at a clean show. Like I just, I can't, you know, I just yeah. can't do it, and, mm. and it just, it won't work. So I'm like, I don't know. So uh, that'll probably never work on stage. Uh, that will probably be the last time I ever even tell it. So you're welcome. Yes. <laughs> well, it worked for the podcast, so thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> So before, we, yeah, the bombing story. We got to get that in here before we get out of here. Uh, your quintessential yeah, stage what story. What have we been talking? Ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got another forty, fifty to go. So. <laughs> I, probably I could totally do like, that. <laughs> yeah, I run a. I I have my own podcast, so I'm used to just talking as much as possible. So whenever people have me on their podcast, it's, they're like. That like, explains why gonna... why hosting this is so easy. Yeah, just, man. Like, sit back and let you go. <laughs> Zero heavy oh, lifting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is your podcast? Just plug away while it's brought up. Uh, it's called Laugh and Be Blessed. Oh, okay, awesome. I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's basically it's just uh, it goes back to what we were talking about before. My favorite part about doing comedy is whenever i see all that laughter and i'm just like dude that's a blessing like that right there is like you know you can make it a spiritual thing if you want you can make it a religious thing if you want whatever it, but to me like just being blessed is just being blessed like it doesn't have to be any of that and i'm like man that's and i got a whole joke for it i'll tell you guys the joke before i leave it's what i open my set with usually but uh and it's a true story but I'll, let me get to, let me get to the story because uh, otherwise I'll just keep talking about nothing. <laughs> okay, okay. Dude, it's so it's so easy to derail me. Like it's just, <laughs> you bring up something, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna chase that rabbit until I catch it. Like, every time. Uh, my <laughs> it's really hard to choose a favorite bomb, but I I'm gonna do like one of the more recent ones to where okay. it was like probably the worst i've i've bombed on it probably is the worst hell yeah that's what the people um, come here for yes <laughs> I, I won't i'm not gonna give any details as far as like where i was because i don't i don't the people that booked me are great people i i really i really like working with them and stuff but the place that i went to was not what i expected when i walked in <laughs> <laughs> like i i honestly i thought i was regardless okay so i go i go and i'm just supposed to close an open mic right i'm supposed to do like 20 25 minutes at the end of an open mic yeah um it's you know they're they're paying me a little bit of money to do it it's a way for me to get out more uh mic time you know everything so i'm like yeah i'm absolutely gonna do it so i think it's like a three hour drive so i drive three hours i get there and um the the open mic people start going up and, and it's it's okay i brought a couple of my buddies with me one of my friends gets up like right before me and uh the majority of the crowd is not white okay um, which is fine except for my friend got up and started doing white jokes like making fun of himself for being white which is like it's fine, it's okay, but you could tell this is an open mic. We're we're towards the end of it. People are already kind of like tired and stuff. Yeah. And he he walked half the room. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. So he he walked like half the room, 
and then and then I get up. Now I go up, and the stage itself is just a DJ's stage, and you just stand in front of the DJ's booth on like just plywood that's like you barely have room to move around. And then there's no light on you. What? You have the neon lights from the DJ stage behind you, so no one can see you, really. <laughs> you're, you're just like this dark figure that's just standing up there just saying things. <laughs> so I go up, and I immediately address the fact that my buddy, who I vouched for and just brought three hours, you all hate him. <laughs> and so the crowd's with me we're all laughing we're laughing at my friend's expense and, and it's funny and then i get into my set well i tell stories that's that's what i do that's i know i think you lord i think you've seen me once yeah down in uh, louisville at the caravan yeah and i just that's all i do is i just tell stories so i get up and i start telling stories about my wife my kids and stuff and i got 20 25 minutes to go i'm maybe five minutes into it and and just eating so much just like <laughs> everything i'm saying i'm i'm literally getting ugh oh for real <laughs> like i'm hearing people just be like oh and i was just i was like oh man so then i'm making fun of that you know and i'm just like well if you guys don't love marriage and, uh, so, like just the whole time they, and then and then I'm like, you know what? They don't want to hear stories. Um, I I'm okay at doing crowd work. I'm not saying like I'm gr a great crowd work comedian, but I'm okay at it. I'm pretty good about just thinking on my feet and just talking to people. So I'm like, well, maybe that's this crowd. Maybe they just want to be involved. Yeah. It's the end of the show. So I'm like, uh, I'm like, how many how many uh, of you are married uh, and have kids? And this table raised their hand, and I was just like, oh, you guys have kids? How many kids do you have? And she goes, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, you just, you just raised your hand. <laughs> you were on board for this. Kids. And she goes, we're not talking to you. Oh, my Wow. God. I have never I like, seen okay. that. I was like, okay, so, so I get nothing. So I just – so I finished I finished my 20, and I told him, like, we were probably 10 minutes into it, and I said, just a heads up, we're halfway through. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm – I got a, 10 more minutes of this. I was like, so let's get on board and have fun or – this is the worst night of my life. <laughs> and, and the only laughs I was getting was from my friends that I brought. And at one point I even addressed, I was like, remember when I made fun of my friend for bombing in front of you? That was fun. Let's talk about that again. Now, like, now you hate me. What's going on? Uh, so it was just like, you know, I think it was, I don't blame the room. I don't blame anything. I, it's just, I don't think I was prepared. Yeah. Um, to to I don't think I knew enough to just pivot, and I, I still don't know if I do, uh, honestly. But like it was just a weird. I learned a lot. Like I learned, a I learned how to just put your nose down and go forward. Like yeah. mm. if you're booked to do twenty minutes, forty five minutes, whatever it is, if you're booked to do that, you better do it. Like even if it's not going great, unless the booker's like, all right, you're done, come on, right? You know, just 
if you're bombing, you still you you promised that you were, that's your job, so you got to do it. And I walked off the stage, and I went up to the guy, uh, and he, he paid me. And you could tell he did not want to pay me. <laughs> like he actually paid me, and it was not. It really wasn't as much as what we talked about, but I wasn't gonna. gonna (laughs) But he gave me the money, and he just kind of gave me this look, and I was like, "Yeah, I know, man." I was like, "I know. Uh, I don't know what happened." He was like, "He said if he said if somebody tells you they can do twenty minutes, they better be able to do twenty minutes." And I just kind of looked at him, and he goes, "But then he was just like, and you stuck with it," and I was like, "Okay." Okay, oh, I thought okay. you were going to say, yeah. say something completely different. You know, I thought you were going to be like, you can't do. But, you know, he was just, he was cool, but he got it. He was just like, you know, it was an open mic night. People were tired by the end of it. Right. And it just wasn't, things Things just didn't line up right, you know. But uh, yeah. regardless, you know, if I was a better comedian, I could have turned the room around. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care who, what show that is. If Brian Regan goes up at the end, you're going to laugh for two hours <laughs> so i was like i walked away and me and my friends of course instantly were like well if this was different or if this was different then we probably would have it would have you know we would have had a better show and right. I, by the end of it i was just like i have i have to write better jokes i have to be a better comic i just have been able to still win that room over so now i'm like i've had a couple shows since then to where I lose the crowd and I'm like, okay, here it is again, fix it. And yeah. it's like, I, I want to bring them back around. And, um, and, and yeah, I, I usually am able to figure out a way. It's almost like I listen to like, are they laughing at like, when I make fun of the way I look, are they laughing at my kids? Are they laughing at my, my stories about my wife, my parents, like my childhood, what is it that they're latching onto that they like? So that way, whenever, I'm doing something to where if they maybe the crowd doesn't have kids at all. So then whenever I'm talking about my kids and they don't get it or they're not laughing, I'm like, okay, but remember when we were talking about my childhood, let's go back there. Then you guys like that. So I'm trying to like learn how to do that. So, I mean, it's, that's the fun of it to me is just like figuring out how to restructure what you think already works, but just, you know, and again, I'm, man, I'm still so new to it that it's just like every stage is like a test for me. Like, okay, I got to prove that I can still do this. I got to prove I'm the new guy, you know, no one knows who I am. I got to get up there and got to be like, no, I can, I'll make you laugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because you, it sounded like you use every trick in the book, at least that I'm aware of to turn around a really tight audience. Like you, you address the room with your friend bombing yeah. and you you tried to do crowd work. Who would have guessed <laughs> that somebody would just nope. I don't know, be in the witness protection program? I don't know yeah. what their deal was there. But <laughs> Yeah, but they were not they weren't having it. Just you can only have so much material, but that approach to, well, I guess I just have to have enough that I can deal with any audience is just a yeah. sign of your work ethic. That's... Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this, well, Jake. I mean... You you said earlier that you're constantly changing your addictions, and and you kept stating that church is your new addiction. But like from what we've been talking through, you know, you fell out with religion, and you still have your faith and your spirituality. But it sounds like it sounds like comedy has become your new addiction. Is that a, is that a fair statement? Um. <clears throat> You know, honestly, I, I don't think so. 
Um, okay. Just to be honest with you, I uh, I don't think so because it's almost like it's hard. Comedy is just kind of my life, and I feel like it always has been to where it's hard for me to just be addicted to what's already a part of it. You know what I mean? So it's like, like currently, I don't know. I, I'm big on, on, on tangible things. Like my addiction is usually something that I can like touch. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, so like in, you know, the church, like there was a building, I could go to that. And I yeah. guess, you know, I can go to comedy clubs and everything. But again, I just, I feel like comedy is just, cause I've always like, growing up me and my dad would watch Cheech and Chong all the time together and like you know that those were probably one of my earliest comedy influences was was Cheech and Chong um and uh which is funny because I don't I'm nothing like like them on stage right (laughs) every addiction I have usually takes money I mean, even comedy, like that's, it's not like I'm, I'm making great money doing comedy. It's like a lot of times someone's like, Hey, you want to come do a show in Florida? And I'm like, yep. I'm going to drive 16 hours yeah. and get a hundred bucks, but yeah, right. I'll see you there. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love the shows where the pay doesn't even cover the gas. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or if there is pay, like there's, we're always so lucky in the beginning to get paid at all. Like, right. You know, yeah. I've been super, super lucky that it's just, you know, and that's another reason why I think I'm supposed to do this is because things just line up for me. You know, like I just did, uh, I ended our last year, I ended the year, which I'm full time in comedy now. Like that's all I do is I'm, I'm, I write articles, uh, is my day job, um, which is like, okay, you know, I'm a writer, but like, <laughs> Uh, that pays that help that pretty much helps pay the bills uh i have a sugar mom my my wife is <laughs> she pays all my bills really uh, and then yeah and then i just do comedy like that's my job is comedy that's what i focus on that's what i 100 percent just tried to do is just comedy and um last year was the first really the first obviously i just started so i'm not gonna been doing it for a long time but last year was the first year i really was just I mean, that's, that's what I do. And it was rough because, you know, I don't know if you guys know, there was a pandemic last year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember. Like in in October, 2019, I quit my day job. I was doing lawn and landscaping and I quit my day job to be a comedian. (laughs) Of course you did. (laughs) And, And I was like, well, I'll just drive Uber, you know, to make money while I support, you know, my comedy, uh, quote unquote career right and uh and then the pandemic happened and i was like oh i can't do uber or comedy this is <laughs> so i started doing freelance writing and that's panned out for me but then last year i ended the year great you know it was a huge blessing um uh, i ended up uh, becoming friends with dusty slay hell yeah oh that's awesome and he, uh, we did a show in October in, in Greenwood, Indiana, and then we just kind of, you know, hit it off. Luckily, I was funny, I guess. Uh, he thought I was funny. <laughs> yeah. And um, so we just kind of kept in touch, and then he had he had some shows in Alabama at the end of uh, December, and he's like, hey, I got, I got five shows in Alabama. Do you want to come feature for me? And um, I was like, yep. That's, I'll, I'll, see, I'll see you then so i went and, and you know they were great shows it was like such a, a wonderful way to end the year like because dusty slay is my favorite comedian like 
Oh, that's he's awesome. So good. Working, working comedians today, he's my favorite, uh, hands down. So the fa- or hands up if you know Dusty. <laughs> <laughs> so the fact of like kind of developing a, a friendship with him, and then him being like, "Hey, I want you to come work with me," yeah. was huge. Um, and it was just like that to me because I had a five-year goal whenever I started comedy. And my five-year goal is I wanted to open for Dusty Slay. That was that's that was my goal. And then um, I ended up doing that. And then my next goal was I want to go on the road with Dusty Slay. I was like, all right, well, I opened for him. Now I want to go on the road with him because he's my favorite comedian. I want to just watch him backstage. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then, you know, a couple months after I, I was able to feature for him, then I went to, and did a show for it with him in Alabama. And it was like, okay, well, this is cool. And then I came home. Um, and two days later was, uh, New Year's Eve. And then I was booked on a show New Year's Eve in Greenwood, Indiana at a new location. Gutty's comedy club had just opened up a new location where they're in a theater now. Um, beautiful, beautiful theater. And it was their opening night show. So they had just done it and they asked me to come and, and be a part of it. And, uh, it was like the, the owner was going to do a set, which he's hilarious. I, it's weird because you hear comedy club owner and a lot of times you're just like, you don't think that they're also a comedian. Yeah. And this guy, like, this guy's a comedian who just owns a comedy club. Hell and, yeah. Uh, he's just super funny. Super That's funny. who you want to run it usually as well. <laughs> yeah. Not the irresponsible yeah. comedians, but <laughs> somebody who knows yeah. comedy enough. <laughs> it blew my mind how funny he was. Like, cause I did not know he was that funny and I'd been friends with him for like over a year now. And then I seen him and I was like, dude, that was amazing. Yeah. I didn't know you were a comedian. And he was like, what? And I was like, well, I don't mean that. Like, rude. But, um, yeah, we did that show on new year's and it was phenomenal. Like it was just such a good, uh, you know, in a pandemic, we had 60 people show up. That's big for a pandemic, right? Yeah. Now. Man. That's 60 people in a show and it was in a theater and it was just like, that was the last night of the year. And it was one of the best shows I've ever had. So, you know, I just, I looked at that and I was just like, yeah, this is the path I'm supposed to be on. Things are lining up the way that they should. Um, you know, one of the big things in comedy is if you're kind of funny, if you have confidence and you're not a jerk, you're probably going to do okay. Yeah. <laughs> just All don't right. be a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That, I mean, that's such simple advice, but it's, it's so poignant. Like that, and it you can apply it to way. literally anything. Oh my yeah. God. Jake, this has been an absolute blast, dude. It's so good to see you again. Uh, I, I said it back then. I'll say it. I'll say it again now. You're you're absolutely hilarious. I fell in love with your your jokes uh, the first time that I heard you. For real. Like, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Thanks, for being man. on the show, dude. Yeah, I could have done this for three more hours. This was great. <laughs> yeah. Well, whenever we're done here, I'm just gonna continue to talk into the camera for. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll wait around i won't even interrupt that'll well, the nice thing is is that i just i put like a tie on the door and i'm telling my kids and my wife like hey i'm doing a podcast so maybe don't come in here i'm doing an interview i'm just gonna keep it on dad needs a little alone time so let's <laughs>